You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 24 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and this week I'm so excited to bring you a conversation with Leah Darrow. And she is an author, a coach, a speaker, and she was a former contestant on America's Next Top Model. And I'm so excited to hear her story of how God used that to transform her life um, and lead her in a whole new direction with this ministry that she does now. So Leah, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Jess. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. And to get started, I was wondering if you could share a little bit about your background and how you came to know the Lord. Yeah, so I I, I grew up in church. I grew up, you know, you know, Jesus was a common name in the household. We prayed and talked about him all the time. Um, you know, through high school and college, I just began to distance myself, though, from, from my faith. Um, and that was really due to my own sin. I just, I had shame. I just felt like I made all these mistakes and I was born and raised in the church. And so I, there's just no spot for me anymore. I mean, long story short, that's kind of how it went down. Uh, That in turn though, and the reason why I bring it up is that because I felt so much shame and because I allowed that voice of shame to really speak into my life and for me to listen to it, it brought me to a place where I, I just, I needed, you know, I wanted to be accepted and I wanted to have a place where I could fit in. And if I, I thought that I didn't have a place to fit in with my church friends and um, with Jesus anymore because of my, because of my mistakes, um, I sought other groups and other people to, to fill that gap. Cause I have, we all have that need for intimacy and we have that need for community. And I was just like, well, I, I want it so badly. So I, you know, I searched for it and I found one, I found a group of people who were like, yeah, you're fine. It doesn't matter what you do. (laughs) Like just come along for the ride. And I ended up following just, you know, a group of friends and people and a lifestyle and a culture and even a profession that was just very worldly you know, so to speak. And, um, it, it didn't, it didn't have any type of basis of faith or really didn't bring that into the conversation that all those things kind of led me down this path where I began, um, following, uh, following myself into a place of work within fashion and modeling. And long story short, I ended up auditioning for America's Next Top Model and I got on it. And, um, you know, looking back, I just, I can, I can see clearly like this sweet girl who's auditioning for the show, desperately wanting Tyra to pick her and the judges to pick her, um, is really seeking just love and validation. Mm -hmm. And I was so insecure and wanting so badly to be chosen, also wanting so badly to do something great, you know, to do something big and powerful and wonderful and, you know, I don't know if I was really into like a service orientated position. I kind of like only wanted to serve me. I didn't really want to serve other people. <laughs> so service in the sense of me, I want to serve me. I want to be important and I want to seem, seem um, important to people. So I get into modeling. I got on cycle three 
Um, I was eliminated on cycle three and uh, which is a whole new level of like public humiliation. That's probably for a separate conversation, but still that was, that was there. And that was a, a, a fun trip, but I decided to stay in New York after the show and keep up with modeling. And I thought that that was what I was going to do. Like I was just going to keep going and keep doing it. And that's really this path I was on, the path that God was allowing me to keep going. I was choosing this path that, you know, from everybody, everyone else's standards was definitely far further and further away from the Lord. Um, and while it definitely was further away from the Lord, the Lord was not abandoning me. Mm. And so he was with me at every step of the way. I could tell and I could feel like, you know, kind of in a sense like that, that tap on the shoulder being like, ah, oh, you sure you want to do this one? Are you sure you want to make this decision? And I would ignore that tap, but I would just ignore it. I would ignore like the tug on my heart. And uh, there came to a point where I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I was in the middle of a fashion photo shoot in New York City. I'll never forget it. And I was in the middle of this photo shoot and I was modeling this really immodest outfit actually. And um, I just... I don't know, Jess, I just, uh, something just happened. I really can't explain it with words other than to tell you that the Holy Spirit just touched my heart in the most profound way. And there's this moment in the middle of the photo shoot. And I remember I had just changed positions because we were getting into a different set and, um, the photographer's like, okay, let's, let's get back going. And I was looking at the camera and he takes a picture and he snaps. And the very first picture he snaps of me, I look straight into the flash and it's a rookie move. You should always look into the lens, but I looked right into the flash. I'm like, that's like a major production. So I, there's a, it's a really big flash. And as that happens though, it obviously blinds me. I kind of have to like blink a little bit and I hold up my finger just to tell him, you know, to give me a second here so I can regain my focus. In the process of regaining my focus, I just saw this image of myself inside my head, like a little movie was playing. And I had my hands kind of held together. And I was like, as if I was like giving them to someone, I was like holding them up. And um, all I knew is that my hands were completely empty. Like, There's nothing in my hands. And then I heard five words on my heart. Ooh, um, I heard five words in my heart. I just heard, uh, I made you for more. And I was like, oh, and I did, I mean, let me tell you something. I did not want to believe that. Like, there's no way. I just, I remember telling myself, like, you are not going crazy today. You can go crazy tomorrow. You can go crazy next week, but today keep it together. Cause you are in the middle of a shoot. You are being paid. Like you have, you have a job to do, do the job. And I heard it again. I made you for more. And I just, I just, you know, I started like tearing up and the photographer's like snapping his fingers, like Leah, come on, focus, focus. And at this point, I just looked around and I just saw my whole life. I saw this life that supposedly looked so fabulous and wonderful. And my, my picture was in Times Square still from the show. And it's on the side of, you know, taxi cabs and the subway. And I have all of this, all of this awareness of me in the world. And I am completely empty though. I hate my life. I'm incredibly depressed. I'm contemplating suicide. Um, I don't tell anybody, nobody knows this. And I'm taking a picture acting like everything is fine. And then I have this message on my heart that I have no idea where it's coming from. Although I think deep down I did, I just didn't want to recognize it. That was saying I made you for more. And I, I chose in that moment to listen to my heart, to listen to that voice. And I said, I have to go. 
And the photographer was confused. And I said, no, I'm leaving. And I got up right then and there. I took off all of their clothes, put on mine, grabbed my stuff, walked all the way to the door. And I remember the last thing he said to me, because there was a lot of commotion at this point. They're like, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. Like the model's leaving. Like, no, no, you have have to stay. You have to stay. You have to finish. Like you're contracted. And I'm like, no, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And uh, the last thing he said to me, I'll never forget. He just said, if you walk out of the door, you'll be a nobody. I'll make sure of it. You will be a nobody. And um, I just looked at him and in all sincerity, I just said, do you promise? I don't want to, I don't want to be anybody to you. I don't want to, I don't want to be known like I thought I wanted to be known to the world. Mm. And if that means being a nobody, then like, I will be so happy being a nobody because I've clearly made Christ a nobody in my life. Mm. And I want that to change. And so, yeah, sorry. I've shared this story many times, but the Holy Spirit still gets me. But, um, yeah, I just, I walked out, I walked out of the shoot. I walked out of the shoot and I walked all the way home. And, um, you know, I got home and um, I did the only thing a girl could do. I actually, I called my dad and um, I just said, if you don't come and get me, I'm going to lose my soul. And my dad just, there was this long pause. And then when he finally, you know, decided to talk, he just said, okay, baby, I'm coming to get you. And my dad drove um, over 2000 miles to come and pick me up. Wow. And yeah, he, he picked me up and gosh, I could go on and on. I don't want to, I don't want to derail us, but that really began my journey back home to Christ is just this massive encounter with the Lord in really the pit of my loneliness and, and darkness and despair and God reaching out and touching my heart in a way. And, you know, telling me that there's there's more to my life than what I had planned. And my plans for my life were not really the plans that the Lord had for me. And he made it very clear in that moment in that photo shoot when he told me that I was made for more. Um, And I just took a chance that God was right. Mm. Man, wow. That gave me chills. And I just feel like somebody out there needed to hear those exact words. And when you spoke those words that God spoke over your life, I think someone out there like felt those goosebumps and felt the Holy Spirit saying, this is for you too. Like, so if that's you out there, whatever it's in relation to, like, don't run from that. Run toward the Lord. I I don't know that man that is so powerful. So you you know you talked a lot about living in shame and wrestling with shame. And um I know that's a common thing people struggle with, but what would you say to that person out there who's living in that and walking through that shame right now and doesn't feel worthy to even like hear those words that God made you for more um because they're so rooted in feeling unworthy. Yeah, shame is shame is a tricky thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what shame, the goal of shame is to destroy our identity. And so, you know, the enemy wants us to listen to that voice of shame. Because if we listen to it long enough, it will begin to distort our identity as beloved children of God. And so shame also is so closely tied to comparison. 
Yeah. And so in comparison is the first step in self-rejection. So when we start, when shame enters in and then the doubt enters in of who we are, and then we compare ourselves to others who we think we should be like, or should look like, or should have a life like, then it becomes, and it opens up this door that's very dangerous into self-rejection. And self-rejection is so, so incredibly dangerous because we self-rejection rejects this, the sacred voice of God calling us his beloved. And so that, like, we have to hold on to that piece. And so when you have that voice of shame in your life, I think just to recognize that more than likely, what are you doing? Like, how are you, who are you comparing yourself to? Um, Instead of comparing ourselves to, you know, anybody else in the world, we should compare ourselves to all of those great (laughs) stories, honestly, in scripture of, of the sinners that repent, of the sinners that come back right? Of the yeah. ones that the Lord goes to seek out. Well, let, let's compare ourselves to them because because either we think we're better off or not as or not as good, or we think I could be just like them though. And I can come back to the Lord no matter how far I've been. Yeah. And so we really should only be comparing ourselves obviously to ourselves, to our, to our, our own selves. But oftentimes that comparison can really um, dive deep into self-rejection. And we want to be so careful about that, or at least just be aware of it. And sometimes shedding light and having awareness of what shame, what shame leads to, shame leading to comparison, comparison leading to self-rejection is just helpful to kind of see that. A lot of times shame loves to blind us to our own pain and it likes to isolate us into those spaces of like, you're the only one who feels that way. You're the only one who's done that thing. And shame loves to do that. It likes to pull you away from the community of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when I originally asked the question, I had said, you know, shame is such a common thing. And I initially felt bad of like, ooh, I shouldn't maybe word it that way. Like, I don't want to belittle people who are walking through shame. You know, it's so common, but maybe we need to hear that and remember like it is common and it is one of the devil's like strongest weapons to get at us and tear us down and like make us believe these lies that what Christ did is not enough. You know, whatever my sin is too bad. Jesus couldn't love me. What he did on the cross isn't good enough to cover what I did. But maybe realizing like, no, this is common because the devil isn't that creative. And yes, yes, I don't know, kind yes. of like normalizing it so it doesn't have this power. So we realize like, I, I can overcome this because I have Jesus. Yes, absolutely. See, shame, what shame does, just like what you're saying, shame makes sin special. Yeah. Whereas God, God's voice it may, it may remind you that you are the special and the beloved. Yeah. And so oh, it's, that's all, good. it's so, it's so interesting how it kind of like, there's like this weird overlap, but shame wants you to think like, oh man, your sin, that's a doozy. No one else has done it just like that. It's so special that you have to be pulled away from the pack. Yeah. Where God's like, yeah. no, you are my beloved. Like you're, you're special to me. No, it's like you, who you are. But we always have to remember that. Like, you know, um, I, I love the saying, I don't know who said it, but it's like the devil will always call you by your sin, but the Lord calls you by your name. 
And that is the ultimate truth. You have to remember that. And this is a part of resistance. Like this is the spiritual life. Like we talk, we hear a lot about that word resistance as it relates to maybe business or personal development, but there is a spiritual resistance that all of us are fighting. I mean, we, in in our belief in being Christians, we believe in the visible and the invisible. So there is a battle Mm. in the invisible world that's going on as well. And so we are a part of that, even if it's not, we can't see it. And so being able to recognize that some of these things that are hitting us are a part of this resistance that the Lord is calling us to fight with him is important too. Yeah. Amen. Wow. I mean, it's very easy to see you've come a long way since that phone call to your dad of like, (laughs) come get me. So what happened next in your story? Oh, geez. There was a ton. But to make it really quick and short— I spent a lot of time in what I like to call spiritual rehab. Mm -hmm. I just needed to unravel all of the lies that I believed about myself, that I believed about men, that I believed about relationships, that I even believed about God, you know? And so that took time. That took time just being with the Lord, getting back into actually praying again. I had, I had abandoned prayer altogether for about 10 years leading up to that moment and that photo shoot um, because of shame. And so just coming back to prayer, coming back into church, um, you know, with the community of people in there to support me, um, also taking advantage of the other great resources that God was leading me to, which was therapy and mm-hmm. reading and journaling and really diving into that. And I knew that I knew that I needed time apart, that I couldn't just jump back into life as I knew it, but I needed to be, I needed to be um, surrounded by a very small group of supportive people who would help me in my, you know, spiritual rehabilitation. And so I just took, um, for me, I took a period of, and this wasn't planned. This is just how it ended up. But it was about three years where I was in some pretty intense, um, you know, therapy with the Lord. I mean, I just, I spent some deep time of like thinking, you know, and and working on the Lord in, in my prayer life and kind of working through some of the problems that I have had within myself and forgiving myself, um, forgiving others in my life as well, and just working through it time and time again. And so after about three years of just doing this work with the Lord and um, and allowing myself to, you know, to, to rest, you know, mm-hmm. and to just kind of be pulled away. I was in the world so much and I was on this TV show and my name was out there and I just needed to pull away from the world for a while and just um, really reconnect with my spirit. And that was very, very helpful. And in doing so, you know, as the Lord does, um, about three years after this process, I had a couple opportunities where people came up to me saying, Hey, um, you know, our church is having this youth night. Would you mind like just maybe sharing a little bit of your testimony? And I was like, ah, no, 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 no. Let's, let's not do that. Why would we do that? Like you, there's, there's no need for it. And I said no plenty of times. And then finally, a good friend of mine was like, look, I really, I really think that you should consider it, you know? And, you know, I just took it to prayer and I really just began to discern like, Lord, what is it exactly that I'm supposed to share? And it became very clear to me that it was a message of mercy of like, look, what I gave you, Leah, was mercy. And I'm just asking you to share a small story, a small snippet 
and whatever you feel comfortable with of sharing mercy with other people, because it's so needed, obviously, and it's the most beautiful gift and grace that God gives us is his mercy and forgiveness. And so that has been, in a sense, my mission for so long. And that began a public speaking career of about 14 years going on now, 14, 15 years. And I had, yeah, I had no clue that it would end up like this and it's developed along the way, but yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where we're at right now. That's amazing. And I know you have a book and now a new um, program called Power Made Perfect. So I was wondering if you could share with us a little bit about both of those things. Yeah. So my book is called The Other Side of Beauty. And uh, it has just been, it has my story in it, like full blown out, like all the details, all the nitty gritty, everything in there. And I really talk about, um, I share my story, but I also share this concept of Christ calling us into beauty of our life, mm. like the beauty of the Lord and the beauty of mercy and like what beauty really is. Um, obviously with my background in fashion and in modeling, I believed and was partaking in an actually very distorted view of beauty. And the Lord's definition of beauty and scripture's definition of beauty is very different than the world's definition. And so the book really unpacks that in a way that just brings people to experience not only mercy, but this aspect of beauty in our faith too, um, so that we can actually see beauty in ourselves and in others the way the Lord has called us to, to experience you know, these, this virtue of beauty and then power made perfect is my new coaching program. And it's a Christocentric approach to personal development. And I love personal development. Um, soon after, like I came home and kind of had like this come to Jesus moment again, and like was back into like the graces of the Holy spirit and just really praying and really coming into a place of accepting Christ in every single area of my life. And that's a slow process that Christ is still working on in every area of my life. Definitely. I haven't, I haven't arrived anywhere, but it became clear to me as I was, I was really attracted to personal development and wanting to better myself and becoming the woman Christ has called you know, Leah to be. Um, and I love so many of the programs, but obviously a big element that was missing in them, at least the ones I was partaking in was like this, this like, you know, cornerstone of a foundation of Jesus. And I'm like, okay, well, okay, where's Jesus here? Or where's the Lord's will in deciding all these things? And so um, I would always just, you know, you know, interject my own, um, you know, view of that into the program. Feel, okay, well, I'm going to bring Jesus into this space. I'm going to bring Jesus into this space. And then it got to the point where I just really felt like Christ was calling me saying, listen, could you just please create something where I'm at the center of the work? And um, that's really where Power Made Perfect came from. And it's obviously from scripture of Second Corinthians of my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in weakness. And the beautiful thing about personal development is that we can bring all our brokenness. We can bring all of our imperfective, Im imperfectness, whatever. I think, I don't even know if I, I think I just made up a word, but I think we all Imperfections. have Imper thank, thank you, Jess. Imperfections. But, but how perfect that how perfect your that? imperfection was in pronouncing the word. <laughs> you just, I just accept it all. It's accept brilliant. It all. I love it. <laughs> so you bring all of that and you, you know, Christ makes new in all those spaces. And so that's kind of what that program is. It's this beautiful program and um, we, we, we've launched it. We're halfway through the program right now. I'm launching a new group at the beginning of um, next year. And I invite everybody who is a Christian and who loves personal development to take a look at it because it is Christian based. It is based solely on scripture. That's everything that we do is scripture based and we bring Christ into every piece of it. 
Um, Christ is the cre- you know, Christ, Christ is, is the corner of everything that we do. So we ask him for his help instead of, instead of anything else. That sounds amazing. Is this something that people have to be local for? No, not at all. It is a okay. virtual pro- program. So um, right now the program is set up where we meet live every single week. Um, and you can meet, you can, you know, be a part of those live meetings or you can watch the recordings. So we have people literally from all over the world right now who are joining in. We have people from Australia. We have people from the Philippines. We've got all over the United States, um, Colombia, who else? I, they're, they're every, we've got some from Europe, um, Eastern Europe. And so we have an amazing group of people, men and women who are coming into this. And we're, I think people are just really hungry for something that's centered on Christ, but also works on the practicals of human formation. And that's yeah. what personal development is. Like we have so much in the, in the Christian world about spiritual formation and it's so good and we need it. I am not saying we don't, but we need this beautiful harmony with human formation too. And so that needs to be kind of a part of the spiritual formation is really that human formation. And so we're trying to bridge that gap and of course, keep Christ at the center of all of it. That sounds so good. So how would people sign up? Is there a link? Is registration open for January? Is that a link I could put somewhere? Yeah. So I will okay. give you a link that we can put in for the wait list and you will be the Perfect. first people to get access to the program. Um, we want to make sure that I'm, you know, I want to make sure that I'm serving everybody. So we have to kind of keep our numbers low so that we have everybody in so that, um, you know, it's, it's, I, I really take care of like who I serve and what we're doing. Um, and the, I mean, and honestly, the Holy Spirit is the one who does the work, but I'm happy to work for him and to do all the grunt work with it. So we will open it up for a wait list and the wait list people will have first access to it. So that's, that's the most important thing is if you're interested, if you're slightly interested, get on the wait list and then we'll be able to open it up to you before the public gets the hold of that. And so that's like the big thing is to get on the wait list. And then I will be in touch with you personally in December and January. Perfect. So I'll put the links to that in the show notes and on the blog and it'll go out. Um, listeners, Amen. make sure you subscribe to our emails so you will get first access to that. Um, yeah, so we'll make sure everybody gets that. Uh, so as you've kind of taken it back to your story and um, you know, as you were talking about these three years that you spent, you know, really just doing the like therapy with the Lord and, you know, rediscovering who you are. And even since then, I was wondering if there is anything, you know, that really stood out about what God was saying about who you are in Him as you started to, you know, see yourself through His eyes again and, you know, come back to Him. Um, what did you learn about? who you are in him and then who he is. Mm. Well, two words that will continue to come back to me um, time and time again when I pray with this and when I journal with this especially is one, um, what he tells me about me is that I am beloved. Mm. I just continue to hear that word. Um and God speaks, as you know, God speaks to us and he, he uses special words to us that are very unique and personal. Um, and so God, I think, you know, for me is really reminding me of how much he has, he loves me fully and completely. And then the word that I continue, um, to help me understand deeper and deeper of who he is, is just father. 
just father. I mean, just really what that is. And those are really loaded words, if you think about it. I mean, how we even understand love could could really form that word of beloved. If yeah. our experience has been distorted or hurtful or, or uh, traumatic, then to hear that you are beloved could that just might not sit right, you know? So there's a lot of rehabilitation and restoration that sometimes has to happen in some of these words for all of us. And even the word father, I mean, I am blessed. I am so blessed to have such a um, good father. I have, my earthly father is, my dad is is such a good example of God the father, but that's not everybody. Yeah. It's not everybody. And some of us have very difficult you know, relationships with our dad and that connects to our relationship with God, the father. And so again, I think that, you know, God speaks to us in such a personal way. And so how he speaks to me is helping me understand deeper of what father is like, what a fault, what a good father does and what a, how a good father corrects and redirects and loves and tries again over and over with his beloved children. And so for me, it's just being, it's just a, it's just this beautiful dance of trust of like, I am the beloved and I need to trust my father. I need to trust that my father's plan for me is good. Yeah. I need to trust even when things are really hard that my father is taking care of me. And, and trust me, um, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of situations even currently in my life that are, that are making me put that statement to the test. Um, but I do so, I do so with hope. I do so with hope because that's what the Lord does. Yeah. Yeah. Along the way, was there any time you questioned this path that you're on now of like, you know, taking this leap of faith, leap of faith and, you know, now speaking and writing and all the things you're doing. I don't know. Did you ever wrestle with that? Like doubt of like, did I do the right thing? I never, I've never, thank God, I've never wrestled with, did I do the right thing in choosing the Lord? I've yeah. never, yeah. not once wrestled with like, should I have, should I have stayed in the photo shoot? It is, I believe that that is an absolute grace God has given me with complete certainty. I have, I have zero doubt that the path that I have chosen with the Holy Spirit's grace and help is the absolute right path. Now, being on that path, have mm-hmm. I questioned what am I doing? Is this the right thing? Should I still keep going? Jess, all the time, all the time, yeah. all the time. I mean, especially when there's resistance, especially when, uh, you know, whatever you want to call them, haters or criticizers will say things and try to destroy your name publicly or say horrible things about you. Absolutely. Absolutely. It hurts. It hurts deeply. Um, but you know, you go back to the scripture, you read those beatitudes and, and you know that like Christ has walked this path before you and he walks it with you now. And so I lean on him and I allow the Lord to lead me every step of the way. And I'm like, Lord, if you, if you want me to step aside and step away from this path, then, then I will, I will follow you all the way. Um, but you know, I just, I think a lot about during tough times, I think a lot about actually, um, Mary Magdalene at the crucifixion, 
Like she was there at the foot of the cross. Mm. She was there and she was a woman that everybody talked about and everybody knew her history and everybody knew her past. And the things that they probably said about her while she was there underneath the foot of the cross of Jesus, I can only imagine. But she stayed. Yeah. She stayed with him. And so I just pray, I'm like, Lord, please give me, please, please give me the grace and the hope, at least of Mary Magdalene, that I can stay with you, even when things are tough, even when people say terrible things, or when I question if I should even do this or that, you know, just continue to strengthen me through the passion of of the Lord um, to stay with you. And so, uh, yeah, there's lots of times, I mean, where I question like, what's going on and should I be here or what should I do? Of course, of course, but we continue just to allow the Lord to speak into our lives. And, and I'm just okay, you know, with, I've gotten okay with screwing up in front of people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I have gotten really comfortable failing in front of a crowd. Mm. And it really helps to know that I'll just try it out. And if it doesn't work, Lord, save me and redirect me and we'll just go again. And so that's been really helpful. The Lord has kind of given me a lot of practice of, um, of making mistakes publicly to where I'm not so afraid sometimes to get up and try again. And it's, and it's been a, he's given me a lot of practice, like I said, to do that. So, um, not that I'm trying to, but when I do, I just say, okay, look, I made a mistake and I'm sorry. And I'm going to, I'm going to try again. I'm going to do better next time. Yeah. Well, and that's the beauty of life with the Lord is that we have the freedom to try different things. And if they don't work, they don't work, but he can still use all of it. And like, I don't know, he sees the big picture. And I think every little thing in our life he can use for his glory and the greater purpose of his kingdom. And absolutely. Just give him our yes. Yes. Give him your yes. And don't be scared. Like, or at least just do it scared. Like yeah. fear, fear will always be there, but do you allow it to keep you, you know, rooted in fear or do you like walk with it? And the more yeah. you get comfortable walking with like the fear, the more that you're going to start really listening more to the Holy Spirit of like what he wants to do. Because the thing is, is God has an amazing plan for your life. And he tells us that, you know, Jeremiah 29, we know that, like, we know the scripture. I know the plans that I have for you says the Lord. So he has a plan for you. If you're if you're still breathing, if there is air in your lungs, he is not done with you. Mm-hmm. And so God, we have to remember that it's not always like our doings and, and, and our busyness that the Lord desires. He desires us. And in fact, we are the good work that the Lord has done. He has created us. And sometimes we think our good works that we have to do are just like these outside things, but we don't realize like it's, it's actually you. You are that beautiful, good work, right? That the potter has formed with the clay. Like you are the good work. Like stay focused on the Lord, walk with him each step of the way and and just keep moving with him. Yeah, amen. Somebody out there needed that. You are the good work. Hear that, that is truth. Um, I thought of another question that was not on my list, and um, it's about parenting. And I don't have kids, so this is never this isn't a parenting podcast. I don't really ask about parenting very often, but I feel like I need to ask, like, what wisdom or insight do you have? I feel like there's somebody out there who is struggling with like knowing how to parent in the world of social media and 
where image is so like in our face and how, you know, I feel like it's a lot of pressure on young kids in our day and age. Yeah. And I wonder if you have any wisdom into that just as a mother. Um, and I know we didn't discuss it. So, so, so no if problem. you don't, we can cut this out. No, I love the question. It's great. So, okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a wife and I'm a mama. I'm a mama to six kids. I have one in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my kids ages are nine to one. So <laughs> it is, it is a full house. My friends, I'm a homeschooling mama too. So if you're a mama out there, I get you and I love you. So what do we do? Um, one, uh, and you know, not to go too deep into this, but I'm sure there's plenty of stuff that you can pick up immediately, but there's so much science about how our brain takes in um, words and images and all of that. So being able to moderate what our children take in is so important when they're young. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a different story when they get older, but for me right now, and I can only you know give you kind of what I've experienced. So right now my oldest is nine. Again, my youngest is one. So right now we are in a place where we are very careful about what our kids watch and see and even the community that they're around. Um, we really encourage and we make sure that we carve out time with our church community, with our kids, so that our kids around other people who share same values um, and same beliefs um, in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's so important. And also because comparison, which again, leads to self-rejection is so prevalent today, especially in um, social media and images. Uh, My kids are definitely, I mean, they're so young. They're not on social media at all, but even with um, screen time, it's really limited it's extremely limited. Um, We have like a movie night once a week and that's what we do. That's it. And I think that has been very helpful for my kids because they're now not bombarded. uh, Like I see so many others with all these different images, with all these different ideas, with all these different ways to like things or to go out and to do something. And so it allows this beautiful space, not just for them not to be bombarded by the images on social media or TV, but also it allows them, it allows their brain space to start thinking of higher things. Mm-hmm. It gives them an opportunity for that. Now, of course, us as parents, we still have to try to help provide that and kind of carve that out um, and speak to them and, and read to them, especially scripture and things that are like at their level. But I think being very careful about what we expose our kids to and the voices we expose our kids to is so important, especially when they're young. Um, they don't need to they don't need all the voices in the world. They need the, They need to start honing in on how to listen to the voice of God in their heart. Mm. And so to do that, we have to carve out that space of just actual space and silence, which means quieting the other voices in the world that so badly want to get at our children. Yeah. Um, if you are not a parent, I hope you didn't check out because I feel like Everything Leah just said also applies to adults. And what Mm -hmm. we need for our own development and time with the Lord is just to block out the noise and carve out the time with the Lord to remind ourselves of who we are in Him. Like whether you're one or nine or 99. Yes. That is what we all need. And so to start it at such a young age 
is really beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. Also, while you were speaking, I just had this image of this beautiful children's book that you will one day create. So I don't know if you'll actually do that, but if you do, God willing, maybe <laughs> I want Lord. a copy. Yeah, <laughs> just well. reminding kids who they are in the Lord. So just throwing that out there. Maybe you'll do that one day. Maybe if the um, Lord wills it, I will do it for him. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so we are out of time, but I want to just leave space for anything I forgot. If there's a final word on your heart um, that you'd like to leave us with, I don't want to cut you off. Oh, no, I, I think the only word I have is hope. Mm. There's always hope. And hope is that signature, that signature virtue of the Christian is we have hope. We have hope. I mean, let me tell you something. We have hope even when things are really tough. That's what makes this beautiful suffering that we experience so redemptive because there's hope. And I just want to encourage you and remind you of that beautiful gift that you have as a Christian is hope and to hold on to it. Amen. That was the perfect final thought. Leah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Oh, I loved that conversation with Leah. I could have just kept talking to her. She has such a fascinating story. When um, we stopped recording, she mentioned that her family also has a pumpkin farm and, you know, they're just, they're getting ready to open that up for the fall season. And I just think she is so delightful and I loved having her on. So I hope you enjoyed hearing from her as much as I did. And we're so encouraged by her message of just overcoming shame and letting go of fear and um, like building your life in the hope of the Lord. It is so powerful and so true. And um, as she was talking, I was thinking about um, a passage I read in a book, the book Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. Um, and there's this pas- passage, you know, it's, it's all about the heart of Jesus. And there's a passage where in the book, Dane is talking about how Jesus um, really like flipped the script of of what Jewish tradition was, of the, you know, religious authority and how they viewed certain people as unclean based on maybe things that they had done in their life or if they had an illness or, you know, there were certain people who were considered unclean. And so when Leah was talking about shame, I was reminded of this passage where it says, um, Jesus was reversing the Jewish system. When Jesus, the clean one, touched an unclean sinner, Jesus did not become unclean. The sinner became clean. Like in Jesus, we are clean. Jesus Christ's earthly ministry was one of giving back to undeserving sinners their humanity. So like we don't deserve it, but because of what Jesus did, we get our humanity back. We are clean in Him. No matter what we've done, no matter what we will do in Christ, we are clean. Um, And then I love this part. It says, miracles are not an interruption of the natural order, but the restoration of the natural order. Like that perfect way that things were intended to be, miracles are giving us a glimpse of the original intention. He goes on to say, we are so used to a fallen world that sickness, disease, pain, and death seem natural, but in fact, they are the interruption. They are the brokenness. They are the thing that is unnatural to this world that God never intended to be here. And yet the goodness of God, that's that's the natural order. That's the way that things are supposed to be. And that's the way that they will become again 
when Christ comes back and when all of earth and humanity and creation is restored and redeemed to Him. And so, I mean, that's that's what we're praying for. That's, I mean, what we believe, that's where our hope is, that this world is not all there is, that God is working to bring things back to that original purpose or original intent. Um, so... <laughs> I don't know. I'm recording this one pretty late on a Tuesday night. It is almost my bedtime. So I don't know if those are incoherent ramblings for you, but I tonight am just blown away by God's goodness and the hope that we have in Him. And so I hope that um, you are as well and that you found some encouragement from this tonight or today, whenever you're listening. Um, So Feel free to reach out, email me anytime, jess at collectedministries.org. And that is just with one S, J-E-S at collectedministries.org. Or give us a follow at Collected Ministries on Instagram. Um, I post there three times every two weeks. That is my schedule and I try and stick to it. Um, So yeah, I hope you're having a great week. Sending you much love and prayers and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. You can also find Jess at Jess Biondo. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org slash donate. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.